to me, I think a convert naturally tells people. You know, the first thing I did was tell people. Yeah, that's a, a natural flow of a conversion. You know, you know, you can yeah. pray, read your Bible, and witness and tell people about Jesus. If you do right, you can expect the right answers, the right life. You know, you make decisions to to live right, to live pure, to live clean. To keep Jesus, you know, in the center of your. I mean, we used to talk. He said, "If you backslide, I ain't backsliding." And I used to tell her the same thing. If you backslide, I ain't backsliding for you. You do what you got to do. But I'm. I, we both serve Jesus. You know, you know she's not serving Jesus because of me, and I'm not serving Jesus because of her. We both serve Jesus because of who He is. And that's how any relationship that goes into that arena should be about. Welcome back, everybody, to the Light It Up podcast. I'm your host, Dwight Taylor. With us, we have Raphael Alvarez. What's up, y'all? And our guest, Evangelist Mike Gomez. Hello. If you have not heard the beginning of his incredible testimony, make sure you go back and watch last week's episode, then come back to this because last week he explained the process and his story of how he got saved, what he was going through before he went saved, and talked about his incredible experience when he first got saved and now we're going to get into his church life what happened uh some of the things he did some of the boundaries he set as he uh talked very little about in the last episode we're delving into that so we hope you guys enjoy pastor why don't you okay well there's a lot to be said so like i, I finished off last week i said uh we started living for god so one of the things that uh I kind of settled in my heart is that, you know, I felt that God had actually honored my prayer when I walked out of that bar that night. I said, Lord, you bring me a woman, I'll settle down. So I thought, it's not a coincidence this other broken person who's looking for answers. We come together, we end up both getting saved on the same day. We both make good decisions in that first, you know, I mean, we got baptized on the same day, you know. And so, which is another factor in my testimony. I thought I was going to be dead when I was 27 or 25, right? Yeah. So I'm 24 when I get saved. I got baptized the day before my 25th birthday. So oh, wow. the old man really did die when I was 25. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, that's kind of a trip. Huh? <laughs> so anyway, so we were living for God, you know, reading our Bibles. You know, I now live in a different place. She lives in a different place. And so I had purpose in my heart that this is going to be the woman that I'm going to marry. You know, and so uh, there are, you know, other girls, sisters in the church, you know, that, that you know, probably, you know, wanted a husband that was serving God. And, you know, I was doing my best to do that. I very quickly got into the discipleship mode. Matter of fact, I was following up on people within three months. You know, I bet they were um, they just people. Them. Yeah, I was. I remember yeah. going. I remember going with somebody to follow up on somebody. Excuse me. And the. And the brother told me, he goes, the guy that I actually prayed with at the altar, he said, hey, we're going to go follow up on something. Oh, that's all right, cool. He, I go, well, what if I need follow up? You know? And he just looked at me, he goes, you already got it, man. I go, yeah, whatever. You know, I don't know what I got, but, you know, I, I never missed a church beat, a church service. You know, you know, I just, I was in everything that, you know, that, that they had going on. You know, I even show up to the band practice. We had a 
rock and roll band. I'd show up just to cheer them on. You know, when I wasn't invited, I'd just show up. Hey, man, go. You know, because I just <laughs> want to be in church. And so I began to, you know, like I said, I would read my Bible. That was my biggest thing. You know, we're living with a guy. You know, we got an apartment together. And uh, before I even knew there was a prayer meeting. So this is in the early 80s or late 80s, I should say. And uh, I'm working construction. Where I worked was, at, uh, I was working on the 105 freeway here, Southern California, helping building building that freeway. And so it was about an hour and a 20 minute, hour and a half drive with no traffic. So I would leave, you know, my house by five. And so I would get up, you know, at four and pray. My, my friend told me, he goes, man, I can't believe you do that. Cause you know, work construction is hard work. And then you're, you know, got a long day and then you come back, you know, it was pretty tiring, but I didn't want to start my day without prayer. And that was just something I just did on my own. You know, I didn't, you know, it wasn't a long prayer. You know, it might have been 10 minutes, maybe. I can't even remember. But I made a point of every day getting up to pray because I didn't see, you know, I couldn't, I, I didn't feel right praying in the car. To me, it was, I'm more driving than I am praying. So, so I, just, I would get up early just to make time to pray. And so that became a, a part of my life since, you know, I've been praying since morning prayer since, 35 years of my salvation, pretty much. And so, and so then, uh, you know, I made a commitment to, to read the word of God before any other books. You know, at that time, there was a lot of hunger for spiritual things and guys are passing around books. And I said, no, nah, I'm not going to read anything. I'm going to read this Bible. So I read it cover to cover, you know, I think almost, two, almost two times before I actually picked up a book, you know, and then I started picking up other books and I, it really stirred my hunger in my heart for other things, you know. But I, I have read my Bible through every year since I got saved, okay. cover to cover. Wow. But the, probably the last 15 years was not enough, so now I read it twice a year, cover to cover. <laughs> so, wow. Really? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I'll be done. I'll be done with my, my second one, uh, second time, uh, Friday. Wow. This this Friday I'll be done reading it through and so and I'm not gonna break or anything. I'll just change translations and start another year. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Every year you train you change you change the translation? Yeah, I read different translations just because I like wow. to change it up. Yeah. I've got about five or six translations, or you know, four or five translations that I read regularly. You know, that's just my preference. And so that's part of my, you know, you know, to me, that's part of being a Christian, right? Yeah, and I'm not going, it's just being a preacher. Christians, I, I thought, should pray and read their Bible and go to church. You know, it sounds redundant, sounds simple, but you'd be surprised how many people don't pray, don't read their Bible, and have a hard time going to church. You know, but those are things that I committed to do from, from my early days. I'm going to read my Bible, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to go to a church. And so I've been doing that, you know, my whole salvation. So it's not just something I do because, you know, I'm a preacher. It's something I do because what Jesus did in my life. And so it's it helps maintain my relationship with God. You know, keeps it fresh, keeps it current, keeps it real. You know, it would be terrible for me, you know, as a Christian. And now someone who stands behind a pulpit to read my Bible once in a while. 
or just for sermons. You know, I don't do that. You know, I get inspiration for sermons while I read my Bible, but I study my Bible. I actually, <laughs> I don't want to sound like a overkill, but you know, I, I have a, pr a program that I read, you know, a daily Bible plan and I switch it from time to time, but that's just my devotional reading. I also have a study Bible that I take with me to prayer. After I've read my Bible in the morning, I take my study Bible with me, and sometimes I'll go through a chapter, maybe two chapters, and I'll just chew on every little note, cross-reference, and, and, uh, and, and because that's when I'm kind of digging into certain things. You know, that's just me. You know, I don't, I don't, that, I don't stay. That's what everybody does. That's just what I do. And that surely helps you in, um, you know, creating sermons and witnessing to people you have. Yeah. Well, now that you mentioned witnessing, you see what, you know, to me, I think a convert naturally tells people, you know, the first thing I did was tell people. Yeah. Went to, I went to the, my, the day after I got saved, I was at a guy I used to deal drugs with. You know, I had no saved friends, right? Other than my girlfriend. So I went over to this guy's house. The first thing he does is he offers me a, a joint, you know, like, no, nah, dude, I'm good. And he offers me a line of speed. I said, no, nah. then he offered me a beer. So I took the beer and I drank the beer, you know, drank about half of it and about halfway through. I'm like, it didn't even taste the same. I'm like, yeah, I just kind of left it there. And so and I, he, he's asking me like, well, what's, what's up, man? I said, but I gave my life to Jesus last night. I, said, I don't need that stuff no more. And he's like, then he got all religious on me. He said he was a Catholic. I said, I never heard you talk about no Catholic, nothing. Wow. Uh, you mean you've been dealing drugs with as long as I've known you. You know, doing drugs and dealing drugs, and all of a sudden you're going to say you're Catholic. I said, yeah, you're full of beads, dude. That's it. I, I gave my witness and told him about Jesus. And I would, uh, you know, you know, I would always, you know, a friend of mine, the guy that I lived with when I first got saved, he and I, when we didn't have an outreach, a planned outreach, a scheduled outreach on the weekend because we lived together, when we were bored, we'd go do something. We said, we'd walk down to the corner. There was a Arco, AMPM gas station. And we'd go there, and he'd, you know, get on one island, and I'd get on the other island. We witness to people while they're pumping their gas. You know, say, man, if this gas station blows up, man, where are you going to go? You know? <laughs> I know where I'm going. You know, people look at us like we're crazy, but, you know, we just want to tell people. You know, we'd go street preaching you know, all the time, you know, looking for, you know, something to do. Always trying to, you know, everybody was a candidate to talk to. You know, I used to pick people up that were hitchhiking, you know. Hey, jump in my truck, man. You guys hear about Jesus? And I just start witnessing to him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, wow. that was just, you know, me. I, you know, to me, that's a, a natural flow of a conversion. You know, you know, you can yeah. pray, read your Bible, and witness and tell people about Jesus. You know. And so I, I almost, you know, and I know I've been, I've pastored two churches. Then you know, I've been evangelizing. I don't know, 13, 14 years. I can't remember. But you know. I know there's some people that wrestle with those things that, you know, they really don't you know, have a hard time breaking the ice with people. They feel like, especially young people, sometimes they don't feel, you know, adequate because they don't know everything or they don't have those experiences and they don't know. My daughter for good was a good example. One of my daughters, uh, you know, I won't mention her name, but she's now married. But one time she came to me and goes, dad, I don't know what to say. Cause girls would open up to her. You know, they were drawn to her. I don't know if it's because of her innocence. I don't know. But they start opening up their hearts to her. And, and she's, I don't know what to say to these people, Dad. She was, I've never done drugs. I've never slept around. I've never cussed. 
never watch these movies they talk about you know i, I don't know what they're you know she goes i don't have a broken home so i can't relate to any of them i says wait, wait a minute wait a minute i says don't even go there i says your testimony carries a lot of weight and i told him and i tell all young people i says if you're living for god and you ain't and you haven't you know sampled sin or been ruined by sin that's an even more powerful testimony because what it is saying is that even in my goodness you know going to church having a good family good mom dad all that you still needed jesus i said so you have every right to tell people that they need jesus because it carries more weight because of your innocence because of your purity and so that kind of set the record straight for her and all my other daughters i got five daughters and so they're all doing quite well they're all they're all saved you know you might have ran in a couple of them at boot camp you know it's one of them was so, in my platoon yeah so they're all you know doing good i always encourage them it says you don't have to you don't have this raggedy tour of life to be a witness for jesus you don't have to have a testimony like some people think mind-boggling to me how some people want to go out and backslide and be stupid for whatever and think oh i gotta go have this so i can testify well you, who says you're gonna have a second chance you know who right. says you know they might use your first chance to take you out yeah so and then uh, yeah i can see i was gonna say continue with that yeah so i started developing uh, i remember going over to my pastor's house for a fellowship and then i noticed all his books okay he had tons of books and i like this man reads a lot you know i was never a reader i was never good in school i never paid attention to school but it, it kind of sparked something in me i said man you know, if he reads I, I should probably read and so i started buying books and i remember uh, you know some of my friends would you know kind of joke with me because i bought books on theology you know books on god names of god uh, uh, different doctrinal issues you know and i actually worked out a lot of doctrinal issues before i ever got launched out or ever got sent out i had a full grasp of understanding jesus was a healer baptism of the holy ghost the trinity calvinism you know just different things i had made those things my own i just didn't say i didn't regurgitate what somebody else said you know the, well i say this so i believe it because my pastor said you know he said it but i went and dug it up and, and made it my own revelation you know i i know what i'm saying because i've read it studied it found scriptures to back up what I said. You know, I'm not just regurgitating somebody else's uh, words. I believe it because it's true. And it, I know it's true. And, and, you know, so yeah, that was just, I just didn't want to be ignorant, you know, not knowing answers to questions. You know, and if I didn't know, I'd go find out. And so I did a lot of that as a disciple, you know, you know, just reading and study and, you know, trying to keep my inner man, you know, built up. You know, it, it's kind of disappointing. You know, sometimes I, I took a bunch of books a few years ago to to our church and tried to hand them out, you know, or, you know, sell them. I was going to use them for a fundraiser. You know, and I was a little shocked that nobody wanted any of the books that I had. The only person that bought books was my pastor. You know, wow. and I thought, wow, these guys ain't hungry for things. You know, or maybe they already know everything. I don't know. I didn't know everything when I was a disciple. But, you know, you hear, you know, somebody brings a bunch of books that could help them, you know, and nobody wanted any. So I said, okay, well, I'm not going to bring no more books. I'll just keep that to myself. Because, you know, you know, if you read, you know, 
one of the greatest quotes I ever heard as a young disciple was at a disciples class here in California. And it was a quote of Charles Spurgeon. He says, a man who reads is read, a man who quotes is quoted, a man who uses no other man's brain shows he has no brains for himself. I heard that quote 35 years ago. Wow. I said, man, I'm going to use my brains. I'm going to use somebody else's brains because there's more <laughs> people got to figure it out more than I do. So I read. I got an extensive library. I've read, you know, about all kinds of things that fascinate me that, you know, draw my attention. So I think uh, the will of God is played out because of reading, you know, keeps me, keeps me full. What do you mean by that? The will of God playing out because you've been reading? Well, if you know, if you know anything about the apostle Paul, you know, he's, he's reaching out to Timothy in one of the, one of his letters. And he says, bring to me, you know, the parchments, which is the scriptures they were written on scrolls and the books. So Paul, here's a man, he's got revelation, great revelation. He wrote two thirds of the new Testament. One is he, Prayed in tongues more than anybody else, but he was a reader. He read. He was eloquent. He was able to communicate. He would use uh, uh, what was going on in the world to witness to people. When he was at the uh, Archibaldo there in, in Greece, and he noticed that they were worshiping the unknown God, he took advantage of what they said and what they read, and he used it to witness to them. You know, to share the gospel with them. You know, so if if you aren't reading, you know. Things that, you know, not just that interest you, but things that, you know, are like current events, reading news, something, you know, getting your, you know, like I was in, in the witnessing to some folks on Saturday. And one of the things I used, I says, do you guys know what's going on in the world? You know, I brought up, the, you know, Israel has just started their war. I says, are you aware what's going on? And a lot of people are like, uh, no. So, and then those that did, I begin to expound on stuff that I know about Bible prophecy. You know, and it it was a it was a it was a conversation starter. You know, but it's because I read and I pay attention to what's going on in the world. You know, I don't just you know, you know, I'm not as interested in sports as I used to be. One is I'm older now. You know, I'm 60 years old, and so you know, been there and done that. Okay, who cares? You know, there are people that need to be get you know be saved. That's more important, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, I'm sticking to it. So. Hey, I got a question. Um, so, like you said, you weren't like growing up when you first got into church and all that. You didn't really like reading and all that. What advice would you give to someone who's to a disciple who wants to get into reading and all that, but they can't like get into it? Basically, like like they hate reading. Okay, it's like anything else. It's like yeah, you know, like an instrument, or it's like uh, any hobby you might have. You got to start somewhere. You know, and so I would ask, I would suggest that they ask their pastor, pastor, you got any books I should read? You think, you know, you know, and most pastors, yeah, he might even give you some books. Hey, read this one, read this one, you know, but you have to have a little bit of an appetite. And me, I've made myself finish books that I thought were boring. You know, I got through it right and I drudged through it, but I made myself finish it because I, I've over the years of doing this, I, I've disciplined myself to make myself read it and finish it. And another thing that helped me is I, t I learned how to preach by taking notes in church, you know, writing with a pencil, paper, pen and paper. I have books, countless notebooks of me taking notes, conferences, discipleship classes, my pastor, Sunday school. I learned how to preach. My wife used to tell me, why do you put all these little, you know, ones and twos in your, in your sermon, you know, when you're listening? 
because I hear, that's how I hear sermons. I hear the points in a sermon. I hear the sub points in it and I write them. That's how I learn how to preach. You know, nobody taught me how to put a sermon together. Say, you need to do this, this, that. I just, I learned by taking notes. And then now I, in my books, I, I take notes in my books. I'll highlight my books. I'll write a page, like a little three by five card or five by seven card. I'll jot down, you know, little notes on that book, you know, and I'll highlight it and I'll write on that index card where it is, what page, page 56. There's good thought on this, good quote. I've got a lot of books that are filled with index cards. So I can just go to them. Instead of looking for that quote, I can go to my index card and say, oh, yeah. But that's a discipline that I learned. You know? So ask your pastor you know, about so, books, and I'm sure he'll put some in your hands. Uh, so, Pastor, why don't we go back a little? And um, you mentioned you, after you got saved, you and your girlfriend had kind of separated and not kind of broke off from each other, stopped hanging around as much. And then you mentioned about a year later, you guys started courting. So what was, what, what's that about? Oh, courting. Yeah. Well, courting is where you actually got your mind that, you know, you're going to, the end of this courtship should be for marriage. And, you know, in my opinion, you're not going to court this person and court that person and date this person. You know, that because there are emotional connections that are made and those kind of things. People should be friends in the church. They should be friends first. There shouldn't be this, you know, well, I like her, she likes me, blah, blah, blah. Courting is, is the development of a relationship that's going to eventually lead to marriage. And hopefully it flows in that direction. So when I said I started courting her, no longer I was just, it was more like, we're going to talk about things, you know. I knew I was called to preach, okay. And I would bring that up. I said, hey, I, you know, are you on the same page with me? Yeah, I'm on the same page. You know, we'll begin to set little, you know, goals that, you know, we might have where we want to be financially responsible in these areas. Maybe we have to cut some corners in these areas. And, and are you willing to do that? Yeah, I'm willing to do that. And so courtship is, is kind of getting to know each other at a, at a more intimate level, you know, about your, 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 your plans and desires. And that's where the, the things should be hashed out in that arena while you're dating into courtship, you know, you know, that I want to, I want to serve God this in this capacity. I feel God's calling me to this. What do you think? You know, because that, if, you know, if you're dating somebody just because they're, you know, pretty, you know, well, Proverbs says beauty is passing, you know, so, you know, my wife's getting, my wife's 55 and she's still beautiful to me, but you know, but you know, we all get older. And so, you know, you're not, you know, that's, that's not the issue. The issue is maintaining a friendship over the long haul. And you two can't be friends for the long haul unless they agree. Okay. Unless they are in it together. And so we started then, you know, a relationship prior to salvation was built on selfishness, right? You know, for me, it was sex. For her, it was probably just to have somebody that's there to provide some kind of protection against some guy that might come and beat her up. You know, and she was lonely. I was lonely. Jesus comes in. Now, you know, that's changed everything. You know, that's why we separated. 
so we can fix our eyes on Jesus. She needed to develop a relationship with Jesus. I needed to develop a relationship with Jesus. And then as we started the court, it was centered on Jesus and what he was doing in our lives and where we're going to go with this. And eventually, you know, we would never go on dates by ourselves. We always went with somebody. We, were, we held ourselves accountable, you know. Uh, you know, wouldn't be out late at night, you know. Wouldn't spend hours just talking on the phone. You know, matter of fact, back then we didn't even have cell phones. You know, you had a hard light phone, you know, and so, you know, we just held ourselves accountable in such a way, you know. And, and looking back, how do you think that affected or it helped you rather? Well, I think it, I think what I tell people is right always comes out right. You know, you can't do wrong and expect right. But if you do right, you can expect the right answers, the right life, you know. You make decisions to, to live right, to live pure, to live clean, to keep Jesus, you know, in the center of your, I mean, we used to talk. She said, if you backslide, I ain't backsliding. And I used to tell her the same thing. If you backslide, I ain't backsliding for you. You do what you got to do, but I'm, I, we both serve Jesus. You know? you know, she's not serving Jesus because of me and I'm not serving Jesus because of her. We both serve Jesus because of who he is. And that's how any relationship that goes into that arena should be about. Jesus has got to be the center of it. Now you had um, you had a lot of, uh, or you were a very violent person, as you were mentioning last episode, and you had a lot of rejection. So, how did God work on that in your life, and how did that change? Well, there were sermons over the over the period of sermons that you hear, God dealing with your heart. You know, I, I've actually preached a sermon that was developed over time. Me learning about me. <laughs> You know, in the issues of my own brokenness and how I, you know, because, you know, sometimes you don't see a lot of things in, in the early stages of your Christianity. You know, you don't see the end. You know, you don't even see the middle. You just see right now. But after serving God and being, you know, in ministry for a while, I, I look back and I can see areas of my life that were changed and areas of my life that needed to be changed because of certain, you know, things that took place in my life. You know, the rejection things like that, you know? So I, I learned how to navigate through those things, you know, like I used to be the kind of person that would, you know, when I was upset with something or someone, I would shut down, okay? And I just didn't tell people, I just, I just hold it in, you know, because I was a ticking time bomb, basically. I'm just like, well, I'm not going to say anything, because if I say anything, I'm going to follow up with, you know, some issues that might not be good. <laughs> You know, so I'll just keep my mouth shut. Excuse me. And so I'd rather just not say anything than run my mouth. And yeah. so, but being married really helped me because, you know, we lived together. You know, so there was a little conflict in the early stage of our marriage. Me shutting down didn't work. You know, I couldn't just suppress that. I had to work through some issues in my heart work through some issues, you know, and same thing with my wife. We both had, you know, we're both broken people, got fixed. We didn't come from a perfect background. So God is developing us and changing us and helping us over the, over the, you know, the process of our salvation. And so I can look back now and I can sound like, Hey, I, I know a lot now, but you know, Hey, this has been 35 years in the making a lot of these things, you know, 20 years in the making. Some of the things that I see now, or has because of, of a process of 
things saved and living for God for this long. You know, to have the victory, to have understanding, to have some wisdom about situations. It it came with time. You know, and some people are they're too too uh, too uh, lazy to wait. You know, they want the quick fix. You know, they want the quick answer. You know, I want you know just tell me a book to buy or you know a prayer to pray and that's it. But some things come over time. You know, and I've learned that. You know that you know I can tell. You know, I'm able to minister at the boot camp to certain at certain levels to young people because of things I experienced as a young person. I can see it. I can spot it very easily now. You know, I can see the 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 young man who's hurting, who's been rejected, and he's got violence in his life, and I can spot him a mile away. You know, I said, that kid's like me when I was that age, you know, and I can walk up and start talking to him because, because of, you know, where I've been, where I've come from, you know, and so that's just, like I said, it comes over time. So it's, it's helped me to bring some healing and some ministry to other people because of the process I've been through and hopefully hope, you know, help them make some, you know, cut some corners for them so they don't have to wait so long. So, over that answer your question. Yes, yes, it did. Now, um, before we kind of wrap up, I want to hear what happened between you and your dad. You've mentioned before that you guys reconciled, but oh, what what happened? Well, yeah, you heard we reconciled. Well, after I got married, you know, he came back around. Oh, after I got saved, he came back around, and so then you know, it was talking to him is kind of strange because. Uh, Come to find out, he gave me his testimony. My dad got saved, saved in prison. Okay, my dad, and then when, as he was hearing his testimony, I was like kind of blown away because I realized I was a lot like my dad, you know, because he was, he, he was violent and he was drugs. So the, uh, yeah, as he's talking, I'm like, wow, this is kind of strange. And you know, I, you know, I didn't understand genera generational curses back then as a new convert. And I learned what it was by living through some things and seeing some healing do it. So my dad came around. I wasn't mean to him the second time. I didn't harbor this. I want to kill. I'm saved. I love God. And so, but I was, I couldn't call him dad. It was weird to me because he'd never been my dad. So because he's a Christian, I was in conversation with my dad calling him bro. Hey bro, brother. <laughs> you know, because it just, it was, it, 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 it didn't, it was awkward for me to call him. Hey dad, you know, I'd never called him dad or pop or anything, you know? And so, you know, then he came, you know, he dropped by, you know, once in a while, every, you know, but I told him anytime you want to come over, there's no problem. You know, I had forgiven him. I said, I forgave him, but we actually had a very powerful reconciliation a couple of years later where he came to visit. I actually said, Hey, I want you to forgive me for my bitterness and my rage and my hate, and my anger. Cause I told us I wanted to kill you. And so, and then he, you know, we, it, it got really completely healed. And so, you know, we weren't, you know, still close, but there was no bitterness. There was no, hey, whatever, you know, you know, I didn't hold him to a certain standard. Oh, you got to come visit me. You know, you got to say, you know, catch up on all the birthdays. Not like that. You know, <laughs> when you call, I'm just going to, hey, man, good to hear from you. How you doing? He has two, two other sons, you know, they're 20 some years younger than I am, you know, 25 years younger than me, you know. I don't mind talking to him, you know, but there's no, there's no animosity. My dad passed away in, in a couple of years ago. I was scheduled to 
to go visit him because he lived on the res there. He was about an hour from Chinle. And so I was preaching in Arizona close by in Winslow. And I say, hey, I'm, you know, I made arrangements to go visit him. And, uh, and I, he says, yeah, but I got COVID. He said, but I should be, you know, over with it by the time you get here. So, okay. So I was going to go visit him on a Tuesday before I got there. They, you know, I got a text from my half brother said, Hey man, they took, flew uh, dad out to Flagstaff. Cause there were a lot of natives that were dying, you know, and you know, obviously that I'm native, right? Yeah. And so, so a lot of natives are dying on the res. And so, and, uh, so I said, okay, well, keep me posted. And so, yeah, my, my brother, so I didn't get to see him. So I didn't get to visit him because he actually passed. But my, my half brother told me, he says, yeah, cause I went in there and asked him, dad, you okay? Everything's fine. And he goes, yeah. And he tapped his chest. I'm ready. I'm ready to see Jesus. And he said, you want to bring your Bible? He says, no, I got the Bible in here. You know? So my dad was saved. My dad used to evangelize, you know, uh, on all the reservations. That's what he did. That's, he had a burden for other natives. So he would go around to different tribes and different reservations and basically share his testimony. You know, how God changed him and uh, try to convince. <laughs> he told me one time, it was probably about five years ago, when he first started witnessing to people on the RAS, he says one in ten would listen to him. And there was closed people, you know. He said, but now, he says, it's like one in 10 won't listen to us. There was an openness. There's been a change in the wow. 25, 30 years that he'd been witnessing people. Obviously, we have churches on reservations now, but, and he had heard about our church there in Chinle, you know, that's Hardy's church, but he'd never attended because like I said, he was always traveling other places, talking to other people. Yeah, that was his burden that he always got. But he'd call me from time to time and say, we're all good. And so it was kind of a, it was a, a miracle. You know, that God can reconcile and heal that after all, you know, all those years. And, you know, and so right. it's, it's hope for anybody. You know, God's able to heal broken relationships. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you on. Evangelist Mike Gomez, we've had an amazing time. Incredible story, um, which all apply everything we've heard to our own personal lives. Um, make sure you guys follow us on Instagram, Spotify podcasts apple podcasts and uh, youtube like share let your friends know his story and the miracle the absolute miracle that is his life and um make sure you tune in next week we'll have a new guest a new story and we'll see you guys yeah. don't forget i'm a drill instructor <laughs> yes <laughs>